Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. When I woke up this morning, I thought, it's sunny out. The snowstorm hasn't come yet. The dog's happy. We went for a walk. It was warm and sunny, at least with three coats on. And I thought, it's going to be a great day. I recorded an interview with Sage Rosenfels that will run tomorrow because uh, couldn't connect live, so we'll run that. We had a good conversation. Sage and I are going to be at the Combine together. It's like, yeah, it's a good day. It's a good day. And uh, I had a good lunch downstairs. It's like, it's just going to be good. It's going to be a good show. And Blake Barrett's was fantastic. Adam Thielen's agent had a lot of great stuff to say. He was really rolling. Yep, it was good. He had good insight on the Antonio Brown situation with Adam Thielen's contract extension, which we'll have up uh, shortly on our website. But something happened that just made this a great day. (laughs) A great day. Not a good day. A great day. So Kirk Cousins has been tweeting a lot this offseason. And if you've clicked it, uh, excuse me, any of the tweets, then you have seen the mentions. And the mentions are incredible. People just roasting Kirk Cousins. Every tweet is people just saying really mean things to Kirk Cousins. Well, he tweeted yesterday, I was mad at LeBron James for leaving Cleveland, but I've been in Miami for a total of five minutes now, and I totally understand. Of course, people killing him. We're getting another snowstorm here. I don't, I don't think that's why they were killing him. Well, but okay. for other reasons, eight, seven, and one probably being the biggest one of those reasons. But, you know, also like you're in Miami. Good for you, buddy. It's real cold here, as usual, in Minnesota, where you play. Fans don't generally like that. Having You don't like it when your friends do it. If your friends go on vacation and send you texts, oh, look, I buy the beach. You're like, yeah, I'll fight you when you get back. Um, but Charles Oakley has weighed in. The Charles Oakley. On Twitter, not some fake Charles Oakley 6ix9ine account, but like the real Charles Oakley. He says, wrong tweet, KC. Your back's not strong enough and your pocket's not deep enough. So you need to chill like EPMD, which uh, had a song called You Gots to Chill. <laughs> Isn't that great? I just, my first thing is, I don't know if Kirk would know who EPMD is. Does he know oh, who hell Char- no, he has no idea. Does he know who Charles Oakley is? I mean, Charles Oakley's a legend. He's he has obliterated him. I don't know how big um, of an NBA fan he was. I'm in the very. 90s. I'm I'm really 
just like kind of not I don't understand this like what is the connection Charles Oakley to Kirk Cousins why did Charles Oakley feel the need to come and dunk on him uh, very forcefully with this type of tweet at first I read it as your your back's not strong enough you're in your pocket is not deep enough I'm like he wants him to be nine and a half yard, yards deep too. <laughs> yeah. Is he is he a proponent so of Riley Reese not being sack. able to hold his block? <laughs> That's where my mind went. But apparently, eighty four million dollars is not enough to buy fish tacos um, on Kirk's. Uh, Oakley's been grinding the vacation. tape. Maybe maybe is, is Oakley a Vikings fan? He could be a Vikings. Fan. Oakley has been grinding the tape and is questioning the pocket presence of Kirk. That's Cousins. where my mind went. Is that not where your mind went? <laughs> I seriously thought he's like, wow, he's I, talking about his like depth. Maybe he thinks that play action boots should be a little bit deeper. Can I tell you the truth? I have no idea what that tweet means. I just like I just really you don't need know. to chill like, like EPMD. I mean, that's like, the line of the year. Now, I do think that, I'm going to put that in my Twitter profile. The more that Cousins tweets his wonderful vacations, the more you could see Vikings fans being like, we get it. We get it. You have a lot of money guaranteed, and you can go to Cabo. We get it. It's in Miami. Whatever. I think he was in, uh, <laughs> I think he was it Cabo. He was in somewhere else before, like the uh, Cayman Islands. Doesn't matter. Somewhere warm, somewhere expensive. Yeah, right. I mean, when he was tweeting pictures of his barbecue outside by the ocean, well, everyone in Minnesota was getting snowed in. You could see, I'm not trying to like skip Bayless hot take scream like log off Kirk, but you could see where fans who are really angry about how last season mm-hmm. went don't exactly love it when the quarterback flaunts that he has a mound of cash to go hang out wherever he wants to. I could see that as being irritating. Well, it's, it's just shows a lack of self-awareness. In a lot of sense. I mean, some athletes have bad seasons. They go underground for a while. It's different with Marcus Williams. Yes, I understand he cost the Saints a chance to the Super Bowl. But you didn't hear from him all that much during the offseason. I think the first time that he surfaced was three months later at Mardi Gras. Him and Alvin Kamara were on a float together. This was pretty quickly. I mean, there was something last week where Kirk was having a giveaway. And even that went south. People were like, just, you know, the you can't have nice things with this fan base because they're going to just eviscerate you well, for what happened. And the, the giveaway tweet included other, which was obviously not written by him. And I think that that opened the door for people to go bananas on that, too. Well, I mean, I think it brings brings up a much larger point here of the um, the corporate type quarterback where, you know, a lot of the social media stuff is him. For sure, it's him. But um, the contest, the the website, the you know, buying the gear and all of that stuff. I mean, you have a multi-faceted marketing platform for a quarterback who has not won a playoff game. I don't yeah. think that there are very many that that are out there that have the same thing. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's that's right. And there aren't like there aren't a ton of quarterbacks who are tweeting a bunch of their vacation pictures all the time. Now, what's weird about this, and Kirk Cousins may not understand the difference. Of like Instagram versus Twitter, which is which is a weird like nuance to social media, but it's true that if you're tweeting your vacations on Instagram, people will be like, "Oh yes, this is what vacation pictures. This is like where they go on this social media outlet." Whereas Twitter, it opens up the door, it seems, and and that's a, it's a very silly thing, and that's why I'm not trying to like turn up the take to eleven here. It's just. From it shows kind of a little bit of disconnect from how these things work 
to how it looks when you post it on Twitter, where maybe Instagram people would take it a little bit differently. Either way, when it's when it's one, like I saw Drew Brees tweeted one picture of him on vacation or Xavier Rhodes had one. I think Kyle Rudolph had one. Yeah, but then like Stefan Diggs going to have 20 videos in a row of him <laughs> running routes and doing ladders. Hey. But that's a good use of but social he's, but media. But he's working that's at a, that point. Right. I think that that's where a lot of people are like, you were eight, seven, and one. Vikings just paid you all this money, guaranteed all of it. Why are you not working? And and but also not realizing that these guys have lives outside of football that you can't just go gr- back to the grind day one after the season ends in January. You have to unplug at some point. And of course he's going to be working. Of course he's going to be doing the same routine that he's been doing with his brain training, with his you know personal like physical trainer and and, and everything else that it's going to take for him to be able to play at a high level. Yeah, he's going to work. We know that. But I just think that there's. The, the human notion, we forget that these people are human and have lives outside of their professions that you don't just open his, he's not the guy where you open his brain and there's a football there. That's not him. Tough times don't last, tough people do, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, part of this is in, in terms of just un, him understanding, and I don't think that he does, like what this year meant to Vikings fans. His comments after the final game that set me off, uh, really showed the lack of understanding of how disappointed people were that this team had gone 13 and three and they had spent the entire offseason talking about how Kirk Cousins was going to take them to the next level. Whether that's realistic entirely or not is a different conversation because both you and I thought they'll drift back a little, but the fan base was as excited as you could ever get with his signing and to go eight, seven and one was such a punch in the face for every single Viking fan. So then when you finish the season and say, well, you know, it's just year one, and then, hey, look, I'm in the Cayman Islands barbecuing. Hey, LeBron James, want to hang out in Miami? Like, it's... It it just the 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 accumulation of these things is a, a look that he doesn't seem to understand why people are roasting the hell out of him on Twitter. The perception's bad. It doesn't. It's not a good look. And I don't know if you'd say that after if they, if they went to the NFC Championship game and of lost co- again. Of course not. It would be like, entirely different if they had had a lot of success this year. I think so, but I also think that there's some people who don't want to see that from their athletes. I just think that that's a thing. I mean, you know, we were talking about Antonio Brown earlier. I used to follow him on Instagram, and then I got so annoyed by it <laughs> that I had to take it off because it's like, oh, I'm showering my baby mama with these gifts, and I don't care that you're giving her a Lamborghini. Don't put that in my face. And it's just, you know, things like that. I think people get annoyed. We want to see athletes in their personal lives. We crave it. And then when we do, we we crap all over them. And it's not fair, I don't think, a lot of times. I do think that the perception thing with Kirk Cousins, though, that, you know, at some point... He was probably waiting to be like, is it safe to come out now? Is it safe to come out on social media? Nope. And, and Charles put this Oakley's stuff there? waiting. Charles Oakley was waiting there with a, with, a, with a hatchet, and he was ready I to think. take him down. But um, I do think that there is the line that fans and, and other media types and everything else. I mean, remember this summer how much flack he got because it looked like he was grilling liver? Yeah, that was weird. It was just stupid. But it was, See, now this is a great point, though, because this is reading the room. This is understanding that... Even though he got made fun of for grilling whatever foreign meat that was that he was grilling, it was all cute then. Like, it was all, oh, look, he drives a van. Oh, man, Kirk Cousins, there he is, being a regular guy. 
But when you come here and you collect those giganto checks that are now forcing your team into really tough cap decisions when they wouldn't have if you weren't here. Of course. And you go 8-7-1. and one, And not only that, but you repeatedly come up short in big games and big situations over and over and over again and then fail to largely take any sort of responsibility. And then your Twitter is... I'm in the Cayman Islands, guys. Hey, man, love Miami. It's just like you could see how Vikings fans would be entering his mentions and being like, stop, cut it out. I just don't think that you see this from a lot of other quarterbacks. And whether you definitely it, don't like Ben Roethlisberger is not on social media right now, tweeting about the Levy or Le'Veon Bell situation, tweeting about the he wasn't back then. He wasn't now not tweeting back at Antonio Brown after what he said about him. He's kind of letting a dead dog lie for better, you know, lack of a better term. You know, Kirk in Kirk's situation there is the bad season and how it ended. Well, he's kind of like, well, I'm still going to live my life. And I guess you kind of have to give a guy like that props for basically being like, I don't care what any of you say. None of you fans pay my checks. You really don't. Well, the Vikings pay my check. Yeah. And I, you, you got to respect kind of the, the notion that I'm still going to live my life. I'm not going to be, you know, holed up somewhere down in Atlanta or staying in his home here. It is just a little bit in your face. And, you know, Charles Oakley had had enough. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. Charles Oakley drew the line there, and he speaks for all of Vikings' Twitter. It's, it's, in some ways, it's kind of like, remember when, after LeBron's first year in Miami, when they got beat by the Mavericks in the finals, and his post-game, after they lost game yes. six, he, he had the, well, you know, all his regular people that hate me, they just have to go back to their regular miserable mm-hmm. lives, and, you know, yes, I'm still going to be... And that rubbed a lot of people yes. the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, because it's flaunting. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah, I mean, you can do something that nobody else can do. Very yeah. few people can do. Kirk can do something as one of 32 starting two NFL quarterbacks that very few other people can do, but to then throw it in their face, mm-hmm. as LeBron did, was that 2010? 2011. 2011. Um, yep. That's a bad look, and that the optics of that are just, that's a PR nightmare right there, because you're basically being like, you know, screw you, pay me type stuff. Well, like, no. I mean, I don't know. That's not a good look. And LeBron, in order to clear all that away, had to win. Yep, and, and he the, did. And the same the next thing. Year. The same thing goes for Kirk Cousins. If he wants people to forget about this type of stuff, and I totally agree with you, Manny. I think it's the same exact thing. I think that there is an element of, oh, you guys are all ripping me in my mentions. I'm going to tweet even more pictures of all the great things I'm doing. Hey, look at me. I'm in a private jet. Look at me. I'm in Florida. Hey, LeBron James, this is great, man. I'm a major sports celebrity, and you guys aren't. And it's just like, bro, you got to stop. You got to stop doing this because you're just infuriating the fans. And now I wonder about this. This came into my mind because it's not a couple people. It's like hundreds of people who are tweeting at, Kirk Cousins to stop, especially with the one about Miami. It came into my mind of like, what is his approval rating at this point with the fan base? Because if it was not super high to begin with, and it shouldn't be at eight, seven and one, where, where is it going this off season? It's not going up with these tweets. Well, I also think we get in this trap that we think Twitter is like the sample size for society and that that's what we should be able to go off of. Twitter is very, very small. The people and the trolls that are going after him right now and having a fun time. I don't time, think it's just trolls. I mean, there are way too many people to just be a few, you know, losers. I'm not saying they're bots, but I'm saying trolling, you know, just being like obnoxious about it. That's what I'm referring to. Just anybody who's going after him saying... 
I'm going to pull up something with his Cleveland tweet right now. Um, yeah, there there's, are there's, people trying, saying yeah. really mean things. I that, can't repeat any of them. Right, I'm trying to find shouldn't. one right now. There's there's a um, there's a Stewie one where he's hitting his teddy bear and it says traitor. It's a it's a gif. Um, <laughs> gif. Gif. Uh, but like, mm. I mean, there's there's a point though that you don't you have to look beyond this and be like, entire fan base can't feel this in this way about him. I think that we sometimes look so deeply into Twitter because it's so intertwined with what we do and as a living, and you know, really in sports specifically. But that's not that that doesn't speak for the entire fan base. Well, I would I say think. this though. I, I think that his uh, disposition became noticeable to people last year. And I'll give you an example. My wife's great aunt, who is 90, asked me about Cousins and his attitude. She said, like, does does he have a pro, like an attitude problem? She's a Vikings fan, and she watches the games, and she hears some of the press conference stuff on local TV. Probably KSTP TV, I would guess. No other station. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that that's noticeable to people. And... Eight seven and one is certainly noticeable to people. The lack of pocket presence, the I mean, hell, that's the, that's that's noticeable. The, Charles Oakley the, apparently the, the losses in big games and on national TV. So this is just sort of another like a drop in the bucket of frustration. And I I just wonder about as we go into next year. I'm sure you know you'll have all the preseason hype and everything else like that. People will get excited, but if we're in week two and the offense doesn't look way better, I think we're talking about booing. I think oh, yeah. if, I think if they're at home and the offense goes three and out twice in a row by week two, if they have lost early on or struggled early on, Kirk Cousins is getting booed. I think at some point, regardless, it's going to happen. Whether it's week two or if they start if they start losing early or if there's another up and down trend where you know the offense looked okay the first four weeks of the season outside of Buffalo, but then you know beyond that it was up and down, up and down, up and down. We didn't hear it then. We're going to hear the boos now, but what does that mean in terms of what Mike Zimmer's going to say, too? I mean, Mike Zimmer didn't go after Kirk right. at all in year one. John Filippo was his fall guy for anything that went wrong offensively. Yep. Because you know, okay, you know, year two, Kirk's going into this. He's probably going to get an extension at some point in, in the near future. Not saying, you know, right away going into training camp, but, you know, things don't go well in year two. Is Mike Zimmer now voicing, like, you know, taking the subtle jabs and the not-so-subtle jabs at his quarterback? I mean, he kind of laid low week uh, year one to kind of let this thing sort itself out. I wouldn't be so surprised if I had to hear him lay into him a little bit more. I think all this just speaks to the amount of pressure that they're all facing, whether it's Kirk Cousins, Rick Spielman, mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer, the draft, the free agency, all of this is really going to determine where they go in the future. And, you know, his tweets don't really have a big thing to do with this. And long-term, we'll forget about them. But I don't think he's just helping his cause very much by doing that. And it is hilarious that Charles Oakley called him out. Charles Oakley, one of my all-time favorites. Were you a Knicks guy, Manny, in the early 90s? You're old enough to have watched Charles Oakley. Uh, I was actually the opposite. I was a Rockets guy. I was a Hakeem Elijah one. All so right. when well, the Rockets Jonathan beat them, uh, can come produce the rest of the so show when then. when the uh, Rockets beat the Knicks in Game 7 of the 94 Finals when John Starks, I, your guy, I remember couldn't hit a shot. Yeah, thanks. Was thanks, he like 3 for 20 or All something? All right, Manny, your game? list yeah. is canceled next segment. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I loved Hakeem, though. Hakeem was awesome. Oh, he's, he's he my favorite. He's my favorite all-time 
all-time player. Those two NBA Finals where he totally eliminated Ewing and then Shaq the next year, mm-hmm. people do not talk about him enough for greatest player of all time. Like, yeah. In, in the footwork of, and the, I mean, he... And if they shot threes then, like yes. the big men, he would have nailed them. He yes. could hit threes if he wanted to. He'd be fantastic in today's NBA. Man. Thanks, Charles Oakley, for uh, the segment. <laughs> I'd love if we could book Charles Oakley for Purple Daily. I would like to do that. We like, could Charles. have a whole ton of topics. Uh, Manny's still going to be allowed to give his list uh, next. The eight or nine things we will first guess what they are and then reveal them uh, and count down Manny's eight or nine things. You are listening to Purple Daily here on fifteen hundred. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Hey, it's Adam Carolla of the Adam Carolla Show, and guess what? We're coming up on our 10-year anniversary. My God, podcast, or as my dad would call it, a podcast, around for 10 years. And you can hear us at Podcast One or any place you enjoy your podcast. Thanks in advance. Score North. And what's that supposed to mean? Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. All right, we are back here on Purple Daily on Score North. If you missed any of the show, we have had lots of fun so far. We talked to Adam Thielen's agent, Blake Barrett, about the Antonio Brown situation, Le'Veon Bell's situation, Adam Thielen's contract situation. Any other situations? No. Com- combine combine situations. What, what the combine looks like from his perspective. Who no, you know, he'll really be down there. Very insightful. Mm-hmm. Nice so, to peel back the curtain a little bit. So and the uh, whole first hour is now up on scorenorth.com. Very nice. good. Very Twitter good as well. So and uh, iTunes or whatever uh, podcast thing you use. Podcast it's, one. It's there. All the good stuff. Yeah. MySpace, LinkedIn. You can find it. Um. So Manny, what do you have for us this week for a list of eight or nine things? Um, well, I thought I'd have some fun with this one. I have fun every week putting these lists together, but I, I, I've been chomping at the bit to do this. And at first I was wondering if I should hold off on firing this bullet until next season when we could potentially have maybe more of these. But, uh, my top eight or nine list is, uh, my favorite coaching NFL, uh, well, football coaching rants of all time. Beautiful. Uh, okay, I love the topic. Courtney, do you want to guess whether it's eight or nine? Uh, I'm going to guess eight because it was nine last week. Nope, it's nine. Oh, oh man, I always take the Like over. a great offense, Manny was unpredictable. His nine football coach meltdowns. And I okay. do have these listed from nine to one. Okay, so. beautiful. All right, here is number nine. There's three quarterbacks on this football team. Whichever one starts, starts. Whichever <laughs> ones don't, we'll back them up. Period. Cut and dry. It's nobody's concern but ours. Nobody's. Next. Injuries from the uh, game. Talk to the trainer. Next. All right, Mike, why are you in yeah, such a bad mood? What do you care? <laughs> okay. If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. What next? Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka. I believe it was 1997. Yeah. When they would still let been. you talk to the trainer back then. Yeah. Oh, man, what a yeah. time. I know. Was that uh, was that New Orleans? Yep, he was coaching the Saints then, yeah. That I think it was his last year coaching the Saints. Did not go particularly well. No, it did not. Uh, All right, number, number eight. eight uh, Matthew, I was wondering if you might be able to help me with this one. No. 
There's nothing to clear. I resent your bringing it up. It's wrong of you to bring it up. Do you have anything substantial? Anything? Then why do you bring it up? Why do you bring it up? Because some other jerk brought it up that has no nothing substantial? You're wrong. But then shut up. Absolutely nothing to it. You got the damn nerve to bring it up. Rumor. You're the one who's starting a rumor. You're the rumor starter. Yes. Rumor. You got something to substance speak. You're dead wrong. That's your guy, Marv Levy. September 23rd, 1991. How about that? What was the rumor? I don't know. I was hoping you'd be in the Buffalo guy. I was hoping you'd be able to provide me with a little context with that. But I've seen it a million times. I've always wondered what the backstory to it was. I don't know. Uh, Marv Levy was not a particularly fiery coach either. So, I I mean, that is unusual for him because he's a a very intellectual type guy and not somebody that barks in press conferences or barked uh, way back in the day. I actually don't know. I don't know what I've the always been curious been. about that one, like what the story because he was like yelling at somebody in in the media. They were very it was like this dramatic. was a Monday after a game too. Th- this is one of the points about Antonio Brown. The Bills when they went to those Super Bowls were called the Bickering Bills. They had all sorts of problems. There was a game be- right before their Super Bowl years where they lost, and Jim Kelly said something to the effect of, "Well, our." Right guard played well, our right tackle played well, our center played well, and our left guard played well. But other than that, we had some protection issues. Wow. <laughs> and wow. He, he and Thurman Thomas got in such a big fight once, they had to have a press conference where they shook hands. So I'm just, just saying that... put this on for show. Just shake hands, guys. Great so that, teams yeah. don't always have to get along perfectly well. All right, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one to bring up. Number seven. Number seven. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. <laughs> Hello? Hello? You play to win the game. It's true. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. Because it matters. Yes, indeed. Yes. Herm Edwards, one of my one of my favorites. He didn't even have to really raise his voice for that one, too. He's very no, he calm. Very calm. Very calm, very matter of fact. I mean, something that transcends football, even though this is a football list. I love listening to Herm Edwards talk. When he used to come on with Royce, it was great. Oh, it, was it was great. So much what did fun. he used to call him? Like, hey, buddy. Like, yeah, he, he it's always had, like, good lines. He would, like, he would call, and I, I would answer the phone, because me and Reavers would be producing the show, and I'd say, you know, 1500 Studio, this is Manny. And you go... Manny, how you doing? It's Coach Hearn. <laughs> doing good, no, Coach. How are I, you? I'm doing, doing good, brother. Your, how are you doing? I loved your story about how he kept calling in even after he had taken the, the job at Arizona State because he yeah. agreed to do the full season. Yeah. No, he was uh, he was great. We, we loved having him on. It was fantastic. Number six. All right. Number six. Now, let me let you guys know this guy is on this list three times, and this is the first of the three. When Wade Wilson got hurt, I actually looked up in the sands and saw people standing, clapping, and cheering when he was laying on the ground with a knee injury. And I'll say this, those are some sick, sick, sick people. Mentally sick. I thought it was horrible, disgusting, embarrassing, shameful. It stuck. People are sick when they do something like that. Absolutely friggin' sick. Guy's out there busting his ass, like all of our guys were, gets his knee blown up, not badly, hopefully, 
and they're standing and cheering and clapping. Those are sick people, sick in the head. They ought to get their ass thrown right out of the stadium. <laughs> yes. I love him so much. He's he's one of the best. Yeah, it, 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 God. There yeah. was a good clip of him, I think it was two drafts ago, where he was doing local coverage, maybe in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and he was out on scene or whatever at the stadium, and he was talking off the air, and he was just swearing. And <laughs> they sent it out there, and then they're like, Jim, you were live there. And he goes, oh, no bleep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely. His voice is what makes it, yes. I think. Oh, Just yeah. like yes. he squawks and he hits peaks and valleys and his inflection. Yeah, and uh, he will be making an appearance twice more on this list, by the way. Nice. But here is here's number five. If you want to go after an athlete, one of my athletes, <laughs> you go after one that doesn't do the right things. You don't downgrade him. Because he does everything right and may not play as well on Saturday. And you let us make that decision. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Attacking an amateur athlete for doing everything right. Are you kidding me? Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. You're writing about a kid that does everything right. And then say that the coaches said he was scared. That ain't true! And then to say that we made that decision because Donovan Woods, because he threatened to transfer, that's not true! So get your facts straight. <laughs> that's oh, the yes. best part, to get your facts straight, because yes. then he hit the, hit the thing afterwards. Like, oh, man. That. I forgot about get your facts Who's straight. Who's the kid here? Mike, Makes me Mike Gundy. Puke. Yeah, Mike Gundy, who is still Bobby, coaching Bobby at, Reed uh, is the Bobby name of that Reed. quarterback. That's right, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, Mike Gundy is still coaching at Oklahoma State to this day. That was, uh, it'll be 12 years coming this fall. He is a unique guy. After that, he grew a mullet. Yeah. Yeah, That was what I honestly think you go through a midlife crisis at 40 like that, you have to grow a mullet. All right, here's number four. When you turn the ball over five times, four interceptions, one for a touchdown, three others in field position to set up touchdowns, you ain't going to beat anybody I just talked about. Anybody. All right? And that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. We threw that game. We gave it away by doing that. We gave them the friggin' game. In my opinion, that sucked. Five <laughs> turnovers. One of them for... We've, we've thrown four interceptions for touchdowns this year. That might be an NFL record. Hell, we still got six games to... Five? Five. Five. <laughs> we still got six games to play. No telling what might happen. That's pitiful. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful to <laughs> perform like that. Pitiful. Just if our defense hadn't played halfway decent against a great offensive football team, they might have scored 60. So, that's Jim Moore. That's the playoffs rant. That's part of the playoffs rant. And I think what people forget about the playoffs rant, because everybody talks about when he says playoffs, yeah. but that all that stuff beforehand, yeah. wow. that's what really like set off the whole thing of like that's where Peyton Manning had a big problem with the whole thing and yes yeah yes. so people don't really talk about that beginning part they just talk about the playoffs thing but the big the beginning part was the bigger whole thing so we had three we got three uh three left here here's All number right. three the Bears are what we thought they were they're what we thought they were we played them in preseason who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's bull bull we played them in the third game everybody played three quarters the Bears are who we thought they were that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Did he break his hand from hitting that microphone 
Like he, he, he didn't break the microphone. I was surprised the yeah. microphone still survived. I remember watching that game. That was Monday Night Football in yeah. 2007 or 6? 2006. Okay. I was never yeah. quite sure what he meant by crowning them. Because I think the narrative behind the Bears was because the Bears were playing so well. That was the year the Bears went to the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl with Grossman. Oh, and I okay. think the thought was like, oh, the Bears, nobody, you know, the defense, and look at how good Grossman's playing and, and all of that. And so Danny was like, well, if you guys are going to crown them champs already, then okay. go ahead. This was early. This was like September, was it not? Or yeah, October? It was like week, it was like week five, I wow. think. Something like that, yeah. But uh, I'm glad that made your list. Yes, absolutely. I too saw. Much. I remember seeing it live too when it happened. Yeah, it I, d- I don't remember that. I remember um, just seeing it the next day, yeah. thinking mm-hmm. like, I wish I was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was there to see this guy lose it. I remember seeing it live on ESPN News. I watched yeah, it live post game. It came back from my dance class that night, and we watched it in the basement. <laughs> yeah. All right. Number two. We couldn't do diddly. Offensively, we couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. We couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball, they went down and got points. We got our ass totally kicked in the second half. That's what it boiled down to. It was a horse performance in the second half. Horse. I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. Coaching, we our coaching did a horrible job. The players did a horrible job. We got our ass kicked in the second half. It sucked. It stunk. I actually I, love this more rant more than the playoffs. One. I I love that it's diddly squat. Like yeah. that's that you know we didn't do diddly squat and he decides to go. He's like can't think of which one is supposed to go there. We like could diddly, do diddly diddly poo. <laughs> Um, and then number one on this list, and it's not just because this is a Viking-centric show or because this person was a Vikings coach. It is my favorite rant of all time because it's just the greatest. But it was a dumb f***ing play when he had when his foot was, uh, shoe was coming off, up the line screen. We were hollering take timeout. We had a f***ing trap play called, and, and, and his, his f***ing shoe comes off. That, 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 ain't, that ain't Bob Schnucker's fault. We have another f***ing trap play, and if, and if, if any picks up his f***ing feet, he walks in. Everybody booing his he works his ass off. <laughs> they put his picture up there and the boom. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good old Burnsy. Gotta love, gotta love good old Burnsy. Wow. So, how yeah. close was Mike Singletary's "I Want Winners"? I thought about putting him on there. Yeah. I love that one. I, been, I, uh, I watched that for motivation 10. for myself. Because look I, at what happened to Vernon Davis after that. Yeah, lit a fire I, under him. I have fully adopted "Can't Win with Him." Like as <laughs> as part of the like lexicon of things that i say all the time just when like when we're talking about almost anyone if it's someone that i want gone in any way shape or form it's can't win with them <laughs> i'd rather play with 10 guys yes that's and get right. penalized every time you don't get penalized you get 10 <laughs> yes, guys. i mean that's, you're just, that's a small you're just detail Mike. <laughs> now didn't he also pull his shorts down in a press conference I, I no believe. i think it was in the locker room Okay, with I players, thought there was something where he pulled his pants down, and that was weird. Why did he do that? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> motivation tactic, I guess. I'm, I'm not entirely I, I sure. don't know. I get jacked when that happens. I guess. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the list, uh, Manny. Yes, of course. I think we'll just take a break right there. It's probably the best thing to do. You wrote about Anthony Barr, so maybe that's a better thing to talk about. When we uh, come back, the Vikings can officially franchise Anthony Barr as of today. Will they do it? Talk about that on Purple Daily when we come back. This feels right. Let's pursue this further. Score.
North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. ScoreNorth.com. All right, last segment here of Purple Daily. There's a show coming up next at 2 o'clock. It's pretty exciting. It's a great uh, show. What is that, Courtney? That show is Score North Live with Matthew Collar from 2 to oh. 4 p.m. I believe that you have a bevy of guests today. I do. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Craig Custance is going to talk NHL trade deadline at 2.05. And then oh, there's two... nothing I'm more excited for than that. As a wild spectator. Yeah. Let's... Hope for some trades. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl Reeve comes on at 2.20, and then Chip Scoggins and Judd Zolgad for the hashtag Stribvikes Hour, of which Manny did the very funny voiceover for that. I um, would really like you to ask Judd, just to reiterate this, since I have not listened to the clip yet, just bring up some more Antonio Brown stuff with him. <laughs> I'm curious as to what he has to say. Judd's thing is about the locker room, and I think that's totally understandable. By the way, the newest news on Antonio Brown is that he's met with ownership and the Pittsburgh Steelers have agreed, or at least per Antonio Brown, to make a trade. Yeah, what if he took that picture and it's like, okay, let's just take a picture, like, it's you know, bygones are bygones. Or, no, if he took it today, like, it's like, all right, look, like, all right, I'll, I'll be back. Like, you know, bygones, bygones. Like, let's just take a happy picture. Then it's like, oh, wait, we agreed to a trade. We both agreed that I'm gone. Uh, yeah, right. Maybe they're and happy. And Rooney's like, I didn't say that. Yeah, maybe they're happy to have him gone and he's happy to be gone. Uh, although, I, what I keep coming back to is I would also not want to be around Ben Roethlisberger. And that's just... I, none of the social media stuff is justifiable. It's just, I also would not want to be around that person. I mean, look back on some of the things that were said. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster said it, I think, it like kind of like talking about the tension between those two. It was mm-hmm. at a training camp last year. Yeah. Um, it's not just, you know, a one-sided, two-sided thing between those two. I mean, Ben is kind of revered, almost in a way, as a jerk. Yeah. Right, like, he's got that a is very who he long-standing like, reputation for that. And he's you know done some other not-so-nice things to people either. So, I mean... And even in Bruce Arians' book, which I am reading this offseason, he acknowledges that Ben Roethlisberger did not put in the type of work in a lot of in a lot of parts of his career that he was supposed to, and that might frustrate Antonio Brown too. But I'm not saying he's right about everything. It's just that that looks like that's a two- or three-sided thing with Mike Tomlin also. Um, yeah. The window is open for the Vikings to franchise tag Anthony Barr. Do you think the Vikings will franchise tag Anthony Barr? I do not. Okay. Well. It's, I went back on this. It's it's interesting what the tag window opening last year. It was kind of like, okay, window's open. Everybody flying out the window. They always um, wait to the last minute. Anyway. Of course. like Nothing happens until March. Like I mean, I think the first tag that was applied last year might have been for Demarcus uh, Lawrence. Hmm, yeah. I think for... Um, the family March 5th or something. If I have that date wrong, it's somewhere around there. But anyway, so they have this two week period and this is a team that doesn't franchise tag players. Last time they did it was work before they could work out a long-term deal with Chad Greenway was 2011. Mm-hmm. It's 50, it's anywhere from 15.7 to 15.9 million to franchise tag. Anthony Barr's a linebacker. A it's expensive. It's really expensive to do it, especially when you have so many other pressing needs and, you know, maybe even fantasies of what you want to do, i.e. Antonio Brown, fulfilling your fantasy of bringing in a very, very good third receiver. But um, I don't know. For for this one, I mean, even last year at this time, there was so much speculation. Hey, you got three starting caliber quarterbacks. Are you going to let all three of them walk? And, you know, a week later after the tag window opened, Mike Zimmer broke down literally broke down every single quarterback, ripped them to shreds at the combine of what was wrong with each one. Mm -hmm. And um, 
they let them all walk uh, as the tag window closed two weeks later. And so I think that's going to be the same type of situation here that we see with Anthony Barr. Um, to me, the writing's been on the wall, and I'm sure to, to you and anybody else who covers this team since before training camp. I mean, he takes out an insurance policy during OTAs, uh, misses, misses a week of voluntary OTAs because he's worried about, obviously, his body, his health, you know, if he gets hurt, because he probably knew an extension was not coming last offseason. He was the odd man out. And now he wants to make more than the 12.3 that he made on his fifth year option. I don't think you're going to make it here in Minnesota. I think you do make that if you go somewhere else where you can go back to the ways that you played at UCLA as a 3-4 outside linebacker. That's fine. But I just don't think it happens here in Minnesota. I don't think it's financially responsible to happen here in Minnesota with everything else going on. And I don't think you're going to get 2015 Anthony Barr. We have been talking about that for years. You're not going to get the guy who can rush a passer like a defensive end and cover like a safety. It's just not... It's just, Sample size, yes, he's a pro bowler. Yes, he's very good when he is sent in and rush the passer. He's a good blitzer. In coverage, he's okay. He's not great. He's okay. So, I mean, that to me is bottom line. I think uh, one of the biggest issues here that they're going to battle with, potentially in the front office between Mike Zimmer and uh, anyone who handles the cap, (laughs) would be Zimmer feels he is integral to having a complex defense. Absolutely. I mean, Barr is, I think I remember you're the one who asked Zimmer this question uh, the week of the week of availability after the Dolphins game, where it was his first multi-sack game of his career in the NFL Mm -hmm. about what can you do with a defense when you have a guy like Anthony Barr, just how intelligent he is, how versatile he is. I mean, it's not just, you can't just replace a guy like that. I mean, we saw with Eric Wilson, I mean, Mike Zimmer was kind of funny about it. He's like, no, was the answer to do teams game plan for Eric Wilson the way they do for Anthony Barr. <laughs> and I mean, I, th- I just think the way that Barr has been able to communicate with the defensive line, communicate with other linebackers, really be the true captain out there, you know, in, in you know the center fielder and defense, that's not very easily replicated. So you do lose a foundational piece here with the defense, which I'm sure Mike Zimmer, a guy who has had his ups and downs with Anthony Barr from the coasting comment two years ago to calling his own press conference, saying he was unequivocally, it was a lie that he was going to be traded. Even though um, there was no there trade was no rumor. trade rumor whatsoever that, that somehow was invented out of thin air. Um, and then, you know, what Mike Zimmer was saying is playing outstanding and playing at a completely different level. Uh, after he came back from the hamstring injury that limited him to, I believe it was 13 games this year, which was the lowest since his rookie season. Um, I think there's going to be a push and a pull. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also do think that, you know, there is a chance for them to be able to move on here, kind of get that clean break and not have to worry about any financial restrictions where they can save that money that they could would spend on the tag for Anthony Barr to spend it somewhere else. But the other thing, and I think it's a pipe dream because they don't do this here, is to tag and trade him. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the fact that uh, Landry had, uh, Jarvis Landry had his team franchise tag and trade him it does leave the door open i mean i was looking at salary cap space for other teams if you're the new york jets and you're thinking okay we're gonna do what the rams did we're gonna take this rookie quarterback and we're gonna fill out the roster with all these great players from free agency and we got a new coach and we're gonna take the next step then anthony Barr's a guy you're looking at i think if you're someone like the new york jets and if you could get something back for him even though it's not going to be a lot maybe it's a you know whatever round draft pick the vikings are a little short on draft picks this year and we know that rick spielman talks about wanting to get to 10 picks every single year well they're not there at this moment and it might be something 
that they would consider doing, I think even though it would be unlike them. Uh, Where we all agree is that Anthony Barr is a very good NFL linebacker. It's just the price doesn't really work out. And it's a part of having a quarterback that's making a $30 million cap hit is that you have to make tough decisions. The problem here is replacing him. Yeah, that's where I see. I mean, you can eventually do it in the draft. I don't think you have anybody on the roster right now. I don't know if Eric Wilson will be that guy. Yeah, I don't either. You you know, I have to obviously look a little bit closer at the linebacker class for this year's group, but I don't know. Free agents, though. Not great. No, free agents are kind of honestly of the ick factor um, as the same same ick factor of the offensive guard um free agents that we've been looking at. Yes, they're yes. they're not very attractive, but I do think that you can get your because he's one of those guys that Zimmer, you know, the stand on the table for. Barr was one of those guys. He's the first player he drafted. So of course he's going to have some sort of, you know, like I don't want to let this go, you know, I know how to get the most out of him, but if I'm Anthony Barr, I want to bet on myself. I want to be able to go to a place where I can run this type of scheme that I want to be in. I play in the type of scheme I want to run. And I want to be able to do what I do best, which he's built like a defensive end. He's a monster human being, and he's got speed. He's better, as he said, going forwards than backwards. So I would go to a team that would allow me to do that. He's just made it so clear that he doesn't really like his role here. Exactly. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I, I get it because he's had so much success when it comes to his pass rushing, like his percentage of pressures. Great, great blitzer. Like really the, is. The only thing that I contend a little bit is like, hey. Anthony, you've gone to how many Pro Bowls with Mike Zimmer in this role? Mm -hmm. How good has your defense been in this role every year? So Zimmer's first year, the defense takes a huge jump forward. Since then, they've been an elite defense every single season with Anthony Barr in this role, and he has reaped the benefits of that going to the Pro Bowl. There are some times where I want to say, hey, the grass is not always greener. If you become a 3-4 outside linebacker rushing the passer, guess who you're going to have to match up against? Tackles. Tackles. Yeah, I know. Guys who go up against the best of the best. But you get paid more. You get paid more. That's you're true. Paid, you come, that's what I wrote in my thing. It's a caveat. You go up against tackles, but you also get a nice payday. You can, I mean, truth be told, a 3-4 defense is more economically sound if you're going to be able to get guys. like Fill up your, fill up your box. Fill up your front seven. Like, you don't necessarily need to be paying elite corners on the back end when you play that type of scheme. Get guys who can rush the passer, and if Anthony Barr thinks he can do that, then he'll go bet on himself to do that. But it's it, it's very apparent, like, in, 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 you know, hearing what he said at the Pro Bowl, just that this has been, this is, the writing's been on the wall for a while, and he's the only one that's really made any comments about this. I mean, Rick Spielman's always said they're going to try to keep the best players around, but there really hasn't been any sort of movement. There's a connection here to the uh, Antonio Brown conversation is that the Vikings have more holes than they have money to fix all of the holes. Yes. So in a lot of ways, they're going to have to leave some holes open and fill the ones that they most need to fill. With the draft. And the one, yeah, and guys who they've developed, like Eric Wilson. But in in a lot of ways... That's what's going to have to happen is they're going to have to say, well, maybe they do move. And I don't love this idea either, but maybe they do have to move Riley Reef to left guard. 
And maybe they do have to release Everson Griffin. And maybe like things that you don't want to do because you're put in a position where you are just forced to do those things by the amount of money you're paying for a quarterback. So then you have to decide, okay, are we going to put money into a linebacker? Are we going to put money into another wide receiver? And when I look at just where the league is at, I think whether it's wide receiver or drafting another tight end as opposed to a linebacker or whatever it might be, you have to make up a lot of points to get in the conversation to be a Super Bowl team. How are you actually going to do it? Well, and if you keep Anthony Barr at the franchise tag price for 2019 before you work out a long-term deal, he's the highest paid player, not named Kirk Cousins. He'd be making 15.7 to 15.9 this year. I don't know if that's, I mean, it's optics, but like you want you want that? Is it worth it? That's the tough thing is it's not worth it, but then who's the replacement and how is that person going to step right in? I mean, I mean, can a rookie linebacker who's a first round pick, but then if you draft a rookie linebacker, first or second round pick, then then you don't have your offensive you lineman, lineman, right? Unless I mean, unless you are honestly going into this ick pool of guards. Yeah, or if you spend the money to keep him, then how are you getting a number three wide receiver in the free agent market? Because there are a number of good number three wide receivers. It doesn't have to be Antonio Brown. could be Adam Humphreys. could be John Brown. It could be Golden Tate. Pierre Garçon. But it ain't going to be those first three at least. Maybe you get a deal on Garçon, but like it ain't going to be the guys who are more expensive if you're talking about uh, paying Anthony Barr that much money. And this, this is, I, I think that they are in one of the most interesting spots of any team because you just can't get it all done. No. And I mean, they, but they knew this. This is, they decided to handicap themselves and play with a hand behind their back when they signed Kirk Cousins, knowing what his cap structure was going to be for 2019 and 2020, where it just increasingly gets bloated and bloated. And truth be told, the only way to fix it is by giving him an extension where you can give him some money up front and then lower that cap number. But do you really want to do that? I know you don't, but like, I mean, that's the only way you fix this because otherwise you're working around it and you're constantly finding workarounds. I wrote a piece about how they could do this in, you know, potentially keeping Barr and potentially keeping Sheldon Richardson while it comes at the cost of creating about 35 million plus in cap space by working around your offensive line, releasing Mike Remmers, possibly asking Riley Reeve to restructure. And then what kind of leverage do you have to do that? If you say, oh, by the way, move to guard. And then you release a top 10 pass rusher, arguably, in Everson Griffin. That creates another hole. I mean, there's there's so many ways here. The only ones that are like non-controversial are releasing Andrew Sandejo to get the 5.5 mm-hmm. million back, potentially trading Xavier Rhodes. I mean... off the books, someone else's issue there at that point financially, and then you can restructure Kyle Rudolph. There's so many scenarios here that it almost feels like they're playing whack-a-mole in a sense where they hit one and then this other problem pops up over here, and then you put your hand on that one and and two other problems pop up. Like You're just not going to get it all done. Like I'm, trying to put a lid on something that doesn't fit. It gets on one side, but there's the giant gap in between it on the other. And that's great for why we have a lot to talk about yeah. this offseason. They can't just sign everybody they want to sign. Uh, I'm laughing at my buddy who hosts a show in Buffalo, and he's being told by fans to stop talking about Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown. So, <laughs> did, they, did they have the cap space to get both of them? Uh, yeah. Let's do it. They can do it. All right. Uh, Score North Live coming up next. Craig Custance uh, from The Athletic right off the top. Cheryl Reeve at 220. Looking forward to 